What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, and I am alone in the control room today, except for Brian Allage, who's running the board, of course. Uh, and joining me on the line, though, is uh, Evan Grant, who apparently is underwater out at the ballpark. Um, not quite underwater, but the, the field is, and so they'll cancel the game today. And uh, the press box had a nice little sprinkler lake overnight, and so... Uh, yeah, all's good. It's, it's starting off a great year. You know, is John Blake got a, everything under control out there? Is it, can we blame this on him? I saw him walking around with a skipper's coat on and <laughs> saying "All hands on deck." He was mustering people. It was quite the show. I bet that was some good stuff. I love it when he plays Captain Ahab. All right, so so uh, so the game today was canceled, which is good. Uh, that game uh, yesterday was brutal. Uh, you know, it seemed like it lasted about five hours. Uh, so uh, we're tired of all these exhibition games anyway. Let's move on to the regular season, right? Absolutely. So, uh, so so what what is the news of the day, Evan? Besides the fact that there is no closer for this team, we, we're not sure what Bartolo Colon's uh, role will be past Tuesday, I guess. And uh, everything else seems to be pretty much uh, uh, under control, I guess, though. Yeah, other than the fact that there's not a closer and that the the fifth starter may only make one start. Um, uh, And um, uh, Tim Tim Lincecum won't be available until mid-April at the earliest. Um, Everything seems to be just... uh, Exactly where we expected it to be at the end, at the beginning of spring training. Um, I I think it's concerning that uh, nobody uh, has yet been named uh, closer. Um, maybe that's just a matter of uh, of Jeff Bannister not wanting to actually bestow the formal role on anybody. But uh, I, I would have thought that the whole idea of, of spring would be to emerge. With the thought that Keone Keller would be the closer. Well, now, um, would, I, and I, would you really want I, to be named the closer, Evan? I mean, considering what's happened in the last three years, the guy who gets christened closer coming out of uh, spring training ends up going in the tank. Yeah, you know that's that's certainly true, Kevin. But I also think this is this is what amounts to a growth year. And um, if you're going to grow, Keone Keller at the age of 24 uh, is one of those guys that you'd hope to grow around. And uh, you know, there's plenty of time for him to end up with, with the majority of the, of the save opportunities and so forth and so on. Um, and maybe it is just kind of a uh, – uh, uh, maybe we're just kind of picking it here, but 
certainly a team that goes into the season without an identified closer is a team that you would say has has some issues. Yeah, uh, I will agree with uh, with Jeff Bannister and what he was uh, saying this spring about the, the situation that there were several times last year, especially in the first half when the, when the bullpen really blew up and really put the team on a course that it couldn't recover from, in which the sixth and seventh was just as important as the ninth, and they were and they were running guys out there who were clearly ill prepared for the situations that they were put in at that point. So I, I, I get the fact that when he says that, listen, sometimes this is just as important as the ninth, and, and, that's, and that's absolutely the truth. But I also get what you're saying here is that it makes a team nervous uh, when, they, when they don't have an identifiable, uh, identifiable closer. And when you consider the fact that after the complaints that people like Adrian Beltre made in the offseason about not going out and getting people, and Greg Holland, who had 41 saves last year, is still unemployed. Yeah, I, I, I am. I understand all that. That um, Holland would have certainly been a, a nice fit for this team in terms of need, uh, and it would have. It certainly would have bought some more time for some guys to develop. But I also think that you know, if you are going to grow, then your guys who are young and who have kind of been pushing towards the major league level need to start getting opportunities, and and that's where Kelly fits in. That's where Jose Leclerc potentially fits in at some point in time. Um, and, and I do agree with, with this idea, too, that if it's not absolutely necessary at this point in time to name a closer, you know, you do have the ability that if you need to use Jake Diekman in the ninth inning against a heavily set, uh, a set of uh, hitters that's heavily left-handed, you can do that early on. Um, if you need to give Kella an extra day or two of rest here early on, as you kind of get a, a feel for, for how he can handle the workload, you can do that without creating a big controversy about who's the closer. So I, I, there's, there's certainly some sense behind not going forward with, uh, with the idea of, of a defined closer or a, uh, a definitive answer closer. But it is it just does highlight, I think, where this team is, which is a team that is, is still looking for a lot of answers. You know, the, the rotation... Um, you're going with a 44-year-old guy for one start and maybe one start only, and you're going to pay him over a half million dollars for one start if that's the case. Um, that that's the equivalent to basically a an 18 million dollar pitcher over the course of a 30 over a 30 start season. Uh, you're hoping for Matt Moore and Doug Fister uh, to to both hit. You're hoping for Mike Miner to really uh, transition well back into the starting rotation. It's just um, it's just a team that's that's full of, of question marks at every really everywhere you look, with the exception of the infield. I think. Well, here, here's my issue, and I've had this from day one. When John Daniels says we want to give our young players a shot here, well, you were going to give your young players a shot anyway. Uh, that that young core that you wrote about in your fine uh, baseball preview uh, of Mazzara, Gallo, and uh, Odor. They were going to play if you'd had the greatest rotation in baseball. So, uh, and then in left field, uh, and, and I understand why you do this, but the decision is made that the starting left fielder and pretty much full-time left fielder is going to be Ryan Rua, who is the oldest of all the candidates that you had for that position out there, a guy who's kind of been run out there several times without a lot of success. I'm not saying that he's not the best option, uh, at least for right now, but clearly the future would be uh, a Willie Calhoun. Now, I understand 
what they're probably doing here. They're going to give Ryan Ruin a shot, and if he can't handle that, if he goes into a prolonged slump after six weeks, if, if Willie's doing pretty well at playing the outfield at AAA, then they'll bring him up and give him a shot. I, ha- I don't have much doubt about that. Do you? Um, I think it, uh, I think you've summed that up pretty well with the exception of this. I'm not so sure that they will feel compelled after six weeks to bring Willie up. It may be if, if, if Ryan struggles, and there's no guarantee that he will struggle because I'm going to give you a stat in one second, but if Ryan struggles, you know, Drew Robinson will be sitting there as well. And, and going into the season, they were going to, or going into spring, the idea was to platoon those two guys. And with Drew being the left-handed side of that platoon, you would have thought that that would be the guy that would end up with more at bats. And to go back to Ryan Rural for a second, this guy's had one seat, one month of his career in which he had at least uh, 75 plate appearances. So one month where he played every day. That was September 2014 when he hit 301 with a 771 OPS. The Rangers got that from left field. The Rangers got close to that from left field. They'd be thrilled. So I, I think the... I, I get what the Rangers are doing. Ryan Rua is not technically the youngest of those prospects, but in a lot of ways he's still very unproven in that he hasn't been given that everyday chance. It's always been in a platoon. It's always been kind of infrequent play. Uh, and, and so they're going to give him that opportunity and, and slow down the process a little bit with Robinson and, and um, Cal Noon. But to go back to your initial point, Kevin, it, I do think you know you look around the diamond and – quote-unquote young players, Brett Nicholas was supposed to get a chance at catcher. Well, he flamed out on that, you know, 10 days into spring training. Um, uh, it, it's entirely possible that Jose LeClerc may end up back in the minor leagues by the time Tim Lincecum comes to the big leagues. Uh, Johander Mendez was pretty much a non-starter for a legitimate starting uh, role uh, with this team. Um, we mentioned Robinson and Calhoun. Um, I, really, I think the only place where a guy who you would consider still like a, a quote-unquote potential prospect uh, won a job is at the middle infield spot, the backup middle infield spot, which is Jerkson Bar, and that job was guaranteed to him because he was that option. Yeah, so, by default. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I guess my long-winded point here is for a team that is looking, I think this underscores where this team is, that um, it's got a long ways to go to get its, its young starting pitching ready for the big leagues, and the guys that it had in the system aren't necessarily as good as guys they were able to pick up elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think that's. I don't have the issue with the with the starting pitching simply because you know there wasn't anybody ready for it, and you don't want to rush right. those guys, and so that's understandable. Right. I, but I think it's twofold here to me on this pitching staff. One of the reasons why they got these old guys was because. They're, you know, they've had some success with that. They had some success with it last year with Andrew Kashner, and maybe we can hit on this again. And I, I clearly think that the thinking is, too, if at the trade deadline and we're 10 games out uh, and, and one or two of these guys is going, going well, we can pedal him for something and get a little bit of a return here, and then we'll move on right. to, with a remake. And, and Linscombe falls into that fold. Minor potentially falls into that fold. He might even make a case, you know, if Matt Moore or um, – Doug Fister. Or, uh, or Doug Fister have a good first half. They fall into that role. Cologne does not. What Cologne is doing is he's just giving you more time to, to not put Mendez into a position where he might not be successful and impede his development. Um, 
uh, and all those guys that we just went through, all those pitchers we just went through, even if they pitch fairly well, you're not going to get a whole lot from them. You know, no. it's, it's going to be small pieces. I don't know that there's a guy the Rangers can trade this summer, and that includes Adrian Beltre or Cole Hamels, that they can get a big, big package for. So um, the hope is going to be that if the season goes bad, they're able to trade a multitude of these guys, stock up on stock up some guys in the system who might be mid-level prospects, but at least give them kind of help them rebuild that upper level of the system. Yeah, I, I think if they got a return that they got for you, Darvish last year, that would be good on some of these guys. Oh yeah, I, if they got those three players over the course of, of this trade deadline, I think they'd be in good shape. Now, Kevin, I am going to have to run because apparently the Rainslog Clubhouse is going to open for. Uh, for a few minutes here, so I am going to go down there and see what the fine players have to say. Well, give everybody my best. I will, Cap, and I'll see you on Thursday. Yes, sir, I'll be out there. There goes there, there goes Evan Grant, uh, our uh, our man on the scene out at the ballpark where it is uh, is raining, uh, cats and dogs, and and probably other kinds of animals as well. And uh, and Evan, you know, is is a guy who who's a, he's a, he tries to be a, a sunny side up guy that doesn't always work for him, but he's he's trying. And I think he's got his dauber down a little bit about the club going into this season because he knows it's a hundred and sixty two game season, the longest in all of sports. And uh, boy, that gets to be a grind sometimes, especially if the old home team is uh, not really pointing up uh, with its arrow. Uh, and and I don't think we can say that about about this club right now. It doesn't uh, it doesn't look real promising. I, I just don't know what the Rangers are going to get out of this uh, out of this rotation or out of its closer. You know, I, I do think uh, that the the club is much improved in the bullpen. I think there's a, a lot of good arms out there. I'm very impressed with some of the additions like Chris Martin um, and uh, and then the guys who are going to who are kind of rebounding from various issues. Jake Diekman gained 40 pounds over the winter. 40 pounds. Uh, he was down to 180, 180, and I think he's at 220 now. And uh, of course, that was because of his all of his problems. He had uh, uh, medical issues with his gastrointestinal system and just had to have practically all of his plumbing rebuilt. Uh, and he's doing much better now. You have to think that that's really going to help him. He was a pretty good pitcher even before he had these problems and even pitching at 180 pounds. But you'd think at 220, which looks very sturdy, uh, he's, it's not like he's got a big gut now. Uh, he's, he's not uh, doubling for Bartolo Colon anyway. He, he will be uh, pretty effective out there. So they, they have a lot of good pieces in the bullpen, and they don't even have all of them available at the moment. As, as Evan mentioned, Tim Lincecum is still out there. Um, there's been a lot of speculation as to whether he could end up being the closer. I frankly don't get that. Um, he might end up with it uh, just because he's a veteran guy and this kind of stuff doesn't bother him. Uh, they'd rather see somebody else uh, uh, take that role. They really like this, and Jeff uh, Bannister really embraces this bridge role that they keep talking about, a guy who could pitch a couple of innings for you, which is really important on this club because some of these starters, you just can't be too sure how long they're going to go, such as the experiment with transitioning Mike Miner back to uh, the rotation from uh, the bullpen last year in Kansas City where he was very effective 
but you would have to think, uh, as we've discussed before, you really wouldn't want him to pitch more than maybe 140, 150 innings this year. Uh, so he's probably going to just get two times through uh, the lineup, uh, the, at least in the first half of the season, I would think. And, uh, and that means that you're putting more of a load on the bullpen, which is why they were so quick to pull the trigger on the, uh, the idea of Matt Bush going from bullpen to rotation that wasn't going particularly well he really hadn't had much uh, luck with his uh, change up he needed that third pitch didn't work for him really I don't think it was working on the on the backfields and then in the games it, it wasn't working then either and uh, and you know frankly I think that was a great decision to go ahead and pull the plug on that experiment pretty soon and you know we just talked about the fact that you know you're, you're needing to try to get these young guys you know, some uh, playing time this year in a season of transition, a, a bridge season, if we're going to call it that, maybe a couple of bridge seasons here uh, for this club. So, yes, you need to get young guys playing time. Uh, but the flip side of that is some of these young guys, you put them out there very much in a situation where they're clueless uh, and then it's counterproductive. They, they don't fight their way out of those types of things. It's a little bit like Joey Gallo a couple years ago. I just thought he looked completely and utterly lost at the plate and uh, was flailing away. And, you know, that's just a terrible feeling uh, to be put in that position and you, and you just feel like you don't get it and you're overmatched and, you're, and you just start to have all kinds of doubts about yourself. And so they sent him back down. And then and when they brought him up last spring, Something seemed to have clicked. I know he, he still struck out a lot, uh, and he's going to strike out a lot, but he had such a better plan and, and just seemed so much more confident, and, and that's what you want from these young guys. You want to see that they still have their confidence and their swagger. If you don't have that as a professional athlete, then you're lost. Uh, that, that really matters. And this organization has a history at times of, of pushing players maybe a little too fast, I know back in the 80s, they did a lot of that with uh, their pitchers and some guys who were some really top prospects, um, really well regarded, not only by this organization, but in all of baseball. And uh, and most of those guys didn't pan out. They had one problem after another. And uh, some of that was physical and some of that was mental and sometimes it was both. Uh, so it was and and that has carried over even into uh, this era of the Rangers, which is is by far the most successful of any era in Rangers history. That they still have that problem at, at times of of, uh, of buying into their prospects a little too much uh, and believing that this guy is ready to go and counting on that. And as as Jerry Jones has proved to us uh, over and over and over again, Mister Optimism. Uh, you have to hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Um, and you always have to have a backup plan here. And, and I think that, uh, they, you know, that they want to believe in these young guys, maybe a little too soon. You could say that that's what's happened a little bit with Ruggie Odor. Um, and as soon as he has a good season, they, they, they give him a contract and then boom, he has an, an awful year the next year. So I think that those kinds of things, um, are learning experiences for this organization and for John Daniels, who certainly has has come a long ways in his role as general manager. He got the job very young, 
which, you know, anybody seems young uh, to me these days. But anyway, um, he, he got the job very young and he made mistakes and uh, and he's grown with those mistakes. And, and you know, I know there's a, a, a lot of feeling out there that that John should be responsible for this uh, or accountable for this season. If uh, if the Rangers don't do well, I'm, I've gotten a lot of uh, feedback from readers uh, saying that then he should be accountable for that. Well, he's always accountable for it. He's the general manager, and so and the manager is also accountable. The, uh, uh, Jeff Bannister and John Daniels both will be accountable for this season. But I think uh, everybody understands or should understand that uh, they're not going to be able to compete with the Astros. Uh, they may not be able to compete with the Angels um, or the Mariners or the or the or Oakland for that matter. We'll see how it all plays out. I I do think that they will probably finish or could finish third. In the division, I don't. I don't really believe in the Angels uh, that much. I, I. They always, of course, they have a, a fabulous lineup, and they made some great additions to it, especially in the infield with Ian Kinsler and Zach Cozart. Um, but they still have a lot of holes, I think, in their rotation uh, as as usual. Seattle uh, just never pans out uh, there, and their ace. Uh, King Felix has been named their opening day starter, and, and he's he's still pretty good, uh, but he's not what he once was either, um, which I know you could say the same thing about Cole Hamels, uh, but uh, that's that's the point. I think these clubs are on a little bit more of an even uh, plane than, than everyone maybe thinks. So we'll, we'll see what happens uh, in the course of this season with the Rangers. Um I, I hope that uh, it's that they're at least competitive because uh, it is a grind when the when the team is no good and it's not like they can just say all right well then we'll just bring up the young guys as we said none of the young pitchers uh, uh, in the organization or at least their best prospects are ready to go um, and the, you cannot put them in that position you can't be bringing them up uh, if they do end up trading guys uh, at the trade deadline as we discussed earlier with Evan then I think it's entirely possible that they're going to have to make some decisions in the second half because they're just going to have to fill those spots. Um, uh, I, I I don't think, as we discussed, that they can get a whole lot for those uh, pitchers. Uh, I do think, though, you'd be surprised what a team can do if a guy is really pitching well and they are a little desperate, especially a guy like Mike Miner, who has uh, who could if he if he succeeds in this starter's role, that's great. But he was terrific out of the bullpen last year, uh, and that's a and he's and he's under control for a couple of years uh, under a reasonable contract. I, I would think that uh, that would be a very valuable piece for for a club uh, to come after him. So I do think there's some options for the Rangers that way. Um, but that for that all to happen, that that means that uh, they're going to have to be ten games out at the trade deadline, and that'll be a little brutal. Uh, I, I know there are fans who think that this is the way to go, uh, that they should. Uh, they should go all in and, and tank and do what the Astros did and rebuild. And, and as we've discussed before, I just think that's a terrible idea. I think that it's uh, it's bad for everybody involved in baseball. It's not like basketball. You know, it's it's the, the season's half as long, and you only need uh, a couple of really good players to turn it around in basketball. And it's much easier to – it's not easy, but it's much easier to find that pick uh, high up in the draft in basketball than it is in baseball. No guarantees. You'd like to think they do better than the Rangers did when they drafted Dylan Tate with a fourth pick and gave up on him a year later for a, for a rental. 
Carlos Beltran, who's not even in baseball anymore. So uh, they, they, you got to do better than that, that's for sure. Uh, but it's still very difficult to find those pieces. So uh, the the Rangers will open up on Thursday. I'll be out there with Evan and Jerry Fraley, and I'm sure a, a host of, of thousands and, and thousands of you as well uh, to kick off this season. Um, uh, you know, no matter what the Rangers prospects, it's almost baseball season, and that's a really good thing. I got to tell you, I love baseball. Um, you know, when we talk about our favorite sports, uh, I like them all. Uh, not not big on soccer, and I don't really know enough about hockey uh, to have an opinion. But uh, I, I do love baseball, and uh, and I'm ready for for baseball season to get going, no matter what the brain, Rangers bring us. So for everybody who's not here, uh, that would be Evan Grant, and that would be Barry Horn, who's on assignment. That's why you didn't hear from him today. Uh, This is Kevin Sherrington. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.